welcome into episode, what, 91? Is that where we're at right now? Episode 91 of the House of L podcast. I'm the L of the House of L podcast. I'm Lawrence Holmes. And I'm excited because this is a different type of episode that we're going to do this week. I joke all the time about how I own a media company because it's a small media company, but it's called House of L. But I own this small media company, and since I've been doing the podcast, a lot of people have said, hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing a podcast. What do you like about doing a podcast, and could you help me get get started on doing a podcast? And I am all for that. And maybe someday it turns into a consulting business or something like that. But two of my friends reached out to me and said that they wanted to think about doing a podcast. And I said, well, why don't you take House of L for a spin? I'll have the content. You'll have the platform. And then you can figure out if it's something that you like or not. And they were like, okay, that sounds cool. So Gordon Wittenmeyer and Steve Greenberg were are thinking about doing a pod. And they're still trying to figure out, like, what it is and what it sounds like. But we we went into a room together. And they sat down, and I produced the episode. So I wanted to share the episode. So they both work at the Sun-Times. They've covered sports for a really long time. I think both of these guys are really smart when it comes to talking about media in town, but they also have some really incredible sports stories that you have to hear. There's one inside here that Greenberg tells about G. Cutler, G. Cutler about Jay Cutler that you do not want to miss. So... This is the first time that I've had a chance to say this, and I'm really excited. I've given the offer out to other people, so if they want to use House of L as a platform to figure out if they want to do their own podcast, I am here for it. Very happy to say, House of L presents Gordon and Greenberg, the podcast to be named later. Well, here it is. You will remember where you were at this moment for the rest of your lives. I don't think that's uh, an overstatement at all. This is innovation in real time. This is two. It is for us. Two middle-aged sports writers. Men, first of all. Let's uh, clarify that. Newspaper writers. You you talk about as low-tech as it gets. The proverbial ink-stained wretches. We're starting a podcast. Also, again, I don't think, I think we may be the first two to do this start a podcast whether or not that's true we are certainly national gordon Wittenmeyer, across from me i'm steve greenberg again we are sports writers here in chicago uh, with the chicago sun times and this is our new podcast we we knocked a bunch of names around seemed like most of them involved drinking which Uh, by the way is probably a good time to interject a, a apologies to anybody who's out there listening that you don't hear any ambient bar bar noise that figures to probably be a good part of this podcast down the road. That's usually we re- where we do most of our best thinking and uh, where we figure to do uh, most of the, the heavy lifting on this on this new podcast. So stay tuned for that. That's right. That's why I signed up. It's why, frankly, we're friends, at least from my side of things. I like to belly up to a, a bar with you and talk about all this stuff, all this sports in our town. A lot of it baseball. You're a baseball guy. You are a... Yeah. Baseball, and scotch. a seam head, maybe even a little bit nerdy with it. 
to the well, exclusion I of mean, other things. But that's okay. I mean, like, you know so much. I wish I knew well, about you, anything you, as much you as you know about me baseball. Like launch angle and exit velocity and spin rate or something. Look, I just mean you love the game. All right, perhaps all right. a little uh, bit too much. All right, maybe, well, okay, that's but fair. that's okay. That's uh, fair. And and we're going for now with the podcast to be named later. We, yeah, we, uh, we talked about a bunch of names. I, I and I and you. I kind of stole that from Theo and his charity, his foundation. But but unlike Theo, we're not going to leave it that way. At least that's not the intent. We we uh, we want a name. If anybody's got names, please feel free to send them our way. G Dub Cub is my Twitter handle. Steve, what's yours? S L Greenberg, and that's with a B E R G. You always have to clarify that. By you, the way, is there an underscore in that? No. Oh, okay. At S.L. Greenberg, I like the name Two Tool Players, and the reason is I thought the shortened version of that would be Two Tools, and it would be funny. <laughs> but that's okay. Blasted, like bombed, that. slammed, all these plays on. Like high balls and strikes. High balls that? and strikes, infield bar fly. That's a good one. But uh, the podcast to be named later, looking forward to to it, to having some fun with it, to getting together with each other. And talking about all this stuff, I want to let's talk Gordon. You're here. You're in Chicago. You're from far, far away. You don't have to tell your 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 whole life story here, but just talk about how you got to Chicago. What's your Chicago story? Well, anybody who's followed me on Twitter probably uh, catches the occasional Husky football or, or or basketball comment. Usually profanity these days. But I'm from the Seattle area originally, and there was uh, my freshman year in college, I quit school, and this is, uh, I was always a newspaper guy. I mean, in high school, I was a high school sports editor, and my after my freshman year in college, I decided just to quit and move to Chicago because that's where I wanted to work as a sports writer, and Mike Royko was one of my heroes, and I wanted to work for the Tribune. So I was in, I was more of an idiot than most, especially, especially nowadays, you know, uh, kids are going to high school now. I mean, geez, they're, they're, they're ready to go for MBAs. It seems like if, uh, if, if my uh, daughter is any indication back then, I didn't even know some of the processes. I had a handwritten resume and literally torn out from the newspaper clips of every story I'd written all summer long and got in my uh, beat up. A uh, 74 Chevy Vega that I'd already crashed once. So the hood was held on with a, a stretch cord and drove to Chicago. I had never been east of Montana. And so... You just fell off the, the turnip truck and right yeah. into our uh, our laps here. I mean, Was this a baseball dream, by the way, or a sports no, journalism but, dream? Yeah. And how much of it was a newspaper dream? I'm just curious. Well, you know, I, I had this kind of jumbled up uh, set of dreams in my head that involved baseball, sports writing, and, and also a, a, a little bit of Hemingway. I just thought, well, what the hell? If I don't get a job, I'll just be homeless for a while and write a book. And uh, still, You might still get there. Don't sell yourself I'm short. working on it. I, but believe me, I'm working on it. So uh, I got to Chicago, but my God, I had never seen a, a, a highway with, with that many lanes. And by the time I got to Chicago, I realized I had to figure out where to go w- once I'm there. I mean, I knew nobody. So I saw a sign that said Wrigley Field next exit, and I took it, and I stopped. <laughs> I stopped at a gas station and uh, got a map, and across the street was uh, a White Castle. So I went and got lunch, and I said, holy crap, look at these burgers. Look how cheap these burgers are. So I got a burger. And then <laughs> I said, what the, what the hell? Hey, look how small this thing is. So then, then I had to get a few more. 
but I got a I got a motel. That's how they get you, you know. Yeah. Well, I Tucker right into the whole White Castle racket. You know, that's that whole that's a whole Chicago way thing, isn't it? I mean, I learned really fast thanks to the White Castle. I found a I found a cheap motel that still, by the way, exists on Lincoln. Oh, I was going to say, tell me it's not on Lincoln Avenue. It is. It's you, on Lincoln. Oh, okay. And I, and I stayed there for eight uh, no days. No comment. Go ahead. Two 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 stories uh, out of that, real quick. I, I I found my way to the Tribune Building with my uh, Manila folder full of clips and my handwritten resume. And I thought it was kind of like Spokane, Washington, where I was going to just walk in and demand to see the sports editor and found out that they had security and like, uh, you know, however many floors a Tribune Tower has. And I, got, I found out where the sports editor was, got up to the to that floor, and they said, do you have an appointment? And I said, no. And they said, well, you need an appointment. I said, well, what, what's the sports editor's name? So I went back downstairs and called upstairs, and the sports editor was out of town. So I thought, well, I guess this interview isn't going to work. My next, the next thing I did was plan to go to a Cubs game, and the Expos were in town. This was September of 1984. I wound up uh, going and getting a cheap seat at the at the ballpark, and it was unbelievable. Dawson, Andre Dawson, was playing for the Expos, and I had a seat, probably seven to ten rows up behind the visitors on deck circle and when he came out on deck i mean my god i thought the kingdom was a cathedral are you kidding me this is my first time at wrigley field and dawson was a giant that's the one like like visceral image that 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 sticks with me to this day i don't Mm. even know who won the game but i did that's beautiful though yeah after the game i i wound up Walking back toward toward my hotel, and and uh, this guy that's just drunk as hell, who was in the bleachers and was stopping traffic, standing in the middle of the street, stopping traffic, letting people go by. He saw I had a, a blue Dodgers jacket over my arm, and he thought it was a Cubs jacket, so he <laughs> waved me through and bought me a drink up the street. Oh uh, boy! And I slippery slope. Yeah, I think that bar might still be there, but the the beautiful thing was this. This guy takes me in and he, he gets me a beer and then he goes off and he's starting to talk to these guys at the end of the bar. Next thing I hear voices raised and he's he's in a vicious argument with a Mets fan. And I thought, good Lord, I got to get to this town. Yeah, you found it, didn't you? My God. But, but, but then you, of course, and, and, and we'll talk about it, uh, you know, in various ways at various times. I know you didn't start your career here, but how long you been here? Something like 12 years, 14 years? This would be my 14th year on okay. the Cubs, yeah. Okay. And uh, you know, my first my first job interview, they asked me what I wanted to do in, uh, in five years, and I said, cover the uh, Cubs for the Chicago Tribune. I told Sully that story. The what? <laughs> yeah, exactly, uh, Brand X. And Sully said, you can't have my job. I said, no, that's okay. I'll, uh, I'll just beat you at it. That's a Paul Sullivan. That's Paul Sullivan. Call out there. Yeah. Shout out, Sully. Sully's the best. You know... You remember 84, don't you? Well, I do. You were here, right? I'm from here. I'm from the city. In fact, my neighborhood high school, which I didn't attend, was Mather, which is right around the corner from your Lincoln Hotel. And I'll just say that even in the early, mid-80s, you know, we knew, we kids knew what went on at those uh, hotels where G-Dub stayed. G-Dub didn't know. Did you, did you but, make your well, way down to the Diplomat Hotel? Listen, the motel? We'll just say it was like every other Chicago City neighborhood had its 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 ups and downs, its color. But anyway, no, in 84, I was a freshman at Lane Tech. And I was suspended during game one of the NLCS. 
suspended for the first, not the last time in high school as a high school student, but I was indeed suspended for hiding in the giant auditorium at Lane. This was back when I could fit in between two rows of seats and hide. <laughs> the very idea of me trying to hide anywhere now is is sad and hilarious. But but sure enough, I, I was there on the floor in between two rows of seats with a transistor radio listening to the game. And I wasn't the only one in there, but it was the best place in the world to hide because this auditorium, you've never, you know, for a high school, you've never seen anything like it. It was the biggest high school in the world at the time, at least the biggest building. Anyway, got in trouble for that and missed the end. But uh, it was How'd you get caught? Well, my radio apparently was audible to... uh, You didn't have an earpiece? Security. No earpiece. 1984. Bluetooth? There may have been an earpiece. I don't know if there was. You might have had to wrap it around your whole head or something like that. No, so that's where I was then. I'm I'm from Chicago. I've worked at the Sun-Times only seven years. I didn't work in Chicago prior to that since... 2000, had a few jobs. You remember Inside Sports? Oh, yeah. That was my first good job in the 90s. I was there when it was bought and killed by Sport Magazine. I was at my next job when it uh, went down in flames. It was the basketball version of Pro Football Weekly called Basketball News. After that, anyway, I spent the biggest portion of my career at the Sporting News. One of the managing editors, before I transitioned into a writing role, Wound up there through 2013, living in St. Louis. That explains that background, that magazine background, explains a lot of kind of unique qualifications for Sports Saturday, what we do there. What I find, especially in this time of, you know, decreasing relevance of the print product, especially magazines, everybody I run into in the media in this town, at least at the papers, came from papers, always been at papers. I feel like a real anomaly. That's not all good or bad. But uh, certainly my ma- my background is in magazines, developing features, feature packages, how pieces of a puzzle all fit together and the timing of those things. So sort of a little bit of an artful view of things, sometimes more so than I would say, you know, a newsy view, uh, sometimes to my detriment. But, but suffice it to say, the Sun-Times is my first real newspaper job i think so what i bring to it is sort of a i don't know what a thirty thousand foot view than a yeah down and dirty view sometimes a different, uh, features a different columns viewpoint. that kind of yeah, thing and i have. really appreciate the value for anybody of being able to kind of pick up any story and write on any topic or or work as an editor on any topic i'm not a beat writer i don't know like i said before any one thing like you know baseball sometimes i wish i did sometimes i'm really glad i don't I'm I'm a Chicagoan and I'm glad to be back. My I lived out of town, out of market, for 17 years, and in in all in my career over 20. So it's certainly nice to be here at the Sun Times. I grew up reading both papers in my house, but I always loved the Sun Times. So a yeah. kick to work there. When you say that, when you talk about maybe you don't necessarily want that that single-minded uh, focus of a, of a beat writer. Why? I did it for a couple of years, my last couple of years before the Sun-Times. In fact, it's how I got the job was through college football. I was a, I was one of the uh, national college football columnists for Sporting News after the magazine went down. That's, that's the role I inhabited for a couple of seasons before moving to the Sun-Times. I, I think I'm disinclined to um, focus, uh, first of all, on one sport. I consume sports like I 
consume television or, or, or other things. I mean, I have a widespread interest. I find, frankly, most of it interesting, none of it addicting. And uh, what I really like about it is people, uh, talking to people, interviewing, telling stories. Um, and, the, yeah, I think that's what we do even even on the beat. I mean, oh, I think, I think, I think you best... do too. I, I, th- it, I, I think of things like CBA, collective bargaining agreement, contracts. I've never been an off-season fan about the luxury of a tax. No, that's the whole point. God I've never been it. an off-season fan. It's a, there, I have a lack of intellectual curiosity for it that's just plain natural. Maybe you, it's wiring. I don't know. Do you know how severe the penalties are in the third year of exceeding the CBT? Uh, hang on. I'm going to hit the snooze button. No, All right. We'll listen, talk about what you I'm so glad about. that you know it like you do, Gordon. You know it better than anybody in this town. That's not sucking up. That's true. I really admire that about you. And... Uh, and that's what's great about being a teammate and has been is I feel like we complement each other. Hopefully I, you know, we will I, on this yeah. podcast. I know I we do totally when sitting at a bar. I know we do when talking about most things. So, uh, But certainly we do in our jobs. And, and here's a, I mean, a, 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 an advertisement for the Sun-Times. You should go buy it. This Sports Saturday, we should be charging a lot more for that because it's really good. And, and Steve does most of the heavy lifting on that when it comes to some of the covers cover stories, uh, outstanding stuff. I mean, go back and look at our launch uh, in April and May. Uh, he had w- one of the definitive stories, uh, Steve Stone, I mean, for instance. I mean, just go back and look, but that's still only a buck. Go get it <laughs> while you can get it for a buck because it's really good and it's and it's going to get better. We haven't talked yet uh, really about the Cubs and the Sox. We yeah, just this had is a good transition, actually. Conventions and fan fests and heading toward spring training. Listen, I I... I do a lot of our our, our baseball stuff. I, I pitch in once spring training starts. I, I dig it. I don't want to pretend that I don't. I don't want anybody to think that I don't. In fact, going down there and developing some of those feature stories early in, in spring is, is, to me, the greatest thing all year to get to work on. What's so interesting now, you know, you talked about 84. We talked about 84. That makes me think of how in 83 – the White Sox captivated our baseball attention for yeah, sure. After you guys took my guy Julio Cruz, scored the winning run, Harold Baines sack fly against your Mariners to, of course, win the division. It was the first playoff berth in Chicago since the fifties. I well, losing the year, but 59? it's yeah, yeah, and and then of course the next year, eighty four, this phenomenal. Uprising was happening at Wrigley Field, and I don't even mean on the field. I mean with Harry Carey, with the neighborhood beginning to surge, and then sure enough, the Cubs in 84. Wait, and by the way, go back to what I said. In September of 84, with all of that happening, I walked right up on day game of day of game, like an hour before the game, if that, and bought a ticket. Oh, God, yes. Listen, we, we all the time took the Addison bus. From By the Lane, way, it was five bucks. Showed up right after school, whatever inning it was, and we'd walk in for free still. But we certainly would easily find somebody who would, you know, face value or a dollar or two. And even in those early 80s years, I still think I could be wrong. But to me, the grandstand prices were still, I don't know, five bucks. It was it was still really low. And, of course, it got much higher in in that decade. But uh, let me ask you this. Steve. Yeah, go ahead. Because I think I think you're probably going to what's 
toward what's happening now. You you wrote the cover story of Sports Saturday last week where you 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 opined that uh, this is somehow a, possibly a Sox town or or turning into a Sox town, which you know, obviously is full of crap. But uh, right, because that's not going to happen. We know that's not going to happen. But the but. But putting it out there, the whole proposition is kind of interesting with what's going going on this offseason with these two teams. Um, so, uh, where what do you think of what's going on with these teams right now? And and I mean, are, are the Sox at least on the field overtaking the Cubs right now? I think so. But you know what the the way the Cubs overtook the Sox in '84 was really lasting. In fact, it it hasn't. Changed. Were the Sox uh, the dominant team before that? Attendance was comparable. Okay, so for for quite a while. North attendance side, all south over side. baseball back then was down. Sox little, were uh, good on TV. Cubs were great on TV, and everybody thinks about you know the whole superstation thing. But you know, you Peter Ubroth came in right after, and that. you had Cubs during the day and Sox at night. It was really easy to consume both. I was a fan of both, but but the Cubs built this thing that still lasts. Of course, this uh, enormous market share. Uh, bigger fan base. So the White Sox aren't going to flip the script back on that. I think they'll eat into it. And certainly with the marquee hey, network. At least we know for, where we you know, can watch the Sox this year on that's, TV. That's, I think that's a big deal. So, I, yeah, the Sox will eat into that. But on field, for people who love to watch baseball, I think they'll just there's just so much more excitement around them. There'll be, there'll be a more fun, more exciting watch. They have athletic ability that the Cubs don't have. And they have this youthful exuberance that I think is wonderful. I mean, you have somebody like Tim Anderson who oozes cool in the most relatable, palpable, reach-out-and-touchable way. He loves being on the South Side. He's part of the community. Lucas Giolito is similar to me as an effective spokesman for the team. He loves being on the White Sox, and they're excited to win together, and they've done all these things to please fans, add pieces. It's fun. It's more fun than what's going on Look, in they, your neck of the woods. We we think they can pitch. We think they can hit. They got some young guys that still could go either way. I had a talk with a hey, shout out to uh, Scott Merkin uh, and heads up. Had a talk with Merck the other day. He uh, joined a couple of us at a watering hole after one of the Cubs convention night. And uh, he was going off similar to you just now. Uh, and there wasn't a, a, a negative word to be found. Right. Um, and you know, take that for what it's worth. Smirk. Um, and I said, Merck, are there downsides to any of these guys, even <laughs> potentially? Yeah. And he had to think about it for a minute. But what we don't know is whether the manager can manage when it matters. And we don't know whether they can catch a ball anywhere but center field. And th- that's going to be a big deal. And we also don't know some of these guys. Giolito had one good year. Does he back it up? We don't know. Some of these other guys uh, are very, very young. They could go either way. I do like their talent, though. I'm not. Sure. I'm not dismissing that, and they are very, very compelling right now in a way that the Cubs could only dream of being this offseason. You know what? So we, I'll give you that. We, we did this once. Well, I know we did it with the Cubs and Cardinals. I feel like, I feel like we did it with the Cubs and Sox. It might have just been. Did we know, talk about your St. Louis connection much? No, no. Okay. I but I but I did live there. Maybe that's another for a maybe, long time. Maybe that's for another podcast. But I remember sitting and 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 thinking which. Uh, player, would you start at each position if you pooled the Chicago players together? This Didn't was Phil Rogers. You do that every ago. year, maybe. Yeah, it's and 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 it would have been just about all Cubs, if if not all Cubs. You would argue about Rizzo and Abreu uh, for a while, 
and you'd have to really look at the other spots and try to find a place to argue for a White Sox player. I think if you did it now, I'm. By the way, I'm flying blind here. I haven't given this one second of thought before bringing it up. But Third I think base, if you Cubs, did it now, Cubs, you, you, first you, you, base you, Cubs, catcher Cubs. Listen, don't. But I'm not. I'm, and, and, and believe me, anybody that's ever read me knows I'm not a Cubs apologist. But but those positions locked in. Now maybe maybe you give the White Sox everything else. Well, that's just it. I mean, maybe not everything else. I still think I'd go with Contreras. Contreras, Grandal. I said, I said Contreras. You said Contreras. Yeah. Okay, there you go. But it's 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 a lot more even now, and and it might be one season away. First of all, third base, Chris Bryant might not be here to have this discussion down the road a bit. How amazing but, is that? But I want to tell you, Gordo, Juan Moncada has every ounce of the talent Chris Bryant has, and if he builds on what he did last year, you're not going to tell me Bryant's a better player. Mark Fidrich had talent. Joe Charbonneau had talent. Well, I... I don't know why you would even begin to build toward Moncada bust angle because there's no <laughs> not, sign of that. No, I don't know that that's going to happen any more yeah. than we know that he's going to be a superstar. Anyway, I just think the talent is really has really uh, uh, the talent gap is largely disappeared, and uh, the on the way up is always more fun. I'm really interested in what's more. You know, I like to get behind the fun story and, and enjoy it. Uh, and revel in that enjoyment that people have. Uh, and it's always more fun on the way up. I mean, uh, one more 84 reference. I always think back to the 84 Bears. That was my favorite Bears season of all. More they than the getting, next one? Yeah, they were getting good. Yeah. And it was yeah. unbelievable. It was so exciting. Now, obviously, the next year, they were great. And then that pressure built, where, well, you got to try to be perfect. And you got to win the Super Bowl to validate it all. But, boy, 84 was fun you when, know, you, when you come yeah. out of the wilderness like that. I, I, I don't I, I I'm an English lit guy right so you ever read keats ode on a grecian urn well that, that's that's, yeah. that's what that's all about it's about winning near the goal it's about the anticipation of the kiss not the kiss itself it's the it's the thrill you get as it's as you're right on the brink and and that's kind of the same thing i think if you looked at what they what the cubs did in 2016 i think most fans if they want to go and really examine um where where their heart began to flutter and 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 sort of the window that was just nonstop thrill it's probably at some point in 2015 oh, yeah. when they realized that, that that they could be something and then all the way to game the end of game 7 in the 10th inning um th- that that window uh, is is far longer than than a year it, it's Exactly what you're talking about. You didn't really give me a chance to pretend that I uh, was familiar with Ode on a Grecian Urn. I, I feel like I might have been able to BS my way through that. I've I've certainly heard of it. Oh well, good. Yeah, we'll, I, we'll, I was we'll thinking you, maybe I it was. What, uh, we'll, I was we'll thinking of Suvlaki yeah. and Spanikopita and all this uh, Greek town uh, delights. You know, maybe but, we can have a a, a, a uh, something on our podcast every week where we we have a, a poetry corner. Yeah. Yeah, that really worked well. Put a post-it on that one. Hey, uh, so so Bryant possibly not being a Cub. Now, I think he gets to spring training. I mean, we're almost there. Uh, and and really, uh, just when you see some of the teams, just today the Phillies signed a couple more guys. You see teams sewing up their rosters. It's hard to really imagine a, a, any sort of a robust uh, trade market between now and the opener, although things can change. Uh, but, man, I tell you, to think that he could be gone at the trade deadline, possibly by the opener, maybe next winter. This is a Chicago friggin' Cubs. 
They're a top three or four revenue producing team. They sat there at Cubs convention bragging about how they're going to make even more money with Marquee, albeit the fans saw through some of that and booed because of some of the stuff going on. Um, but how do you, how are you at an ownership level that tone deaf that you've got your best players you can't keep? And even if he wants to become a free agent at some point, you don't have the wherewithal, the, the, the courage uh, of a, of a big market club to, to build around that while you have him. You got him for two more years and, and you've got five straight uh, winning seasons you're building on. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable to me that they can talk like we have a high payroll. This is our budget. And then not have a, a, a sort of a, I mean, they're not the only team that does it, but, but, but not, not go all in. I mean, there, there is no way to, to wrap your mind around what the what the decisions ownerships are ma- is making and and come up with they're all in they're just simply not um, and it's it's boggling it's mind boggling and it's consequ- less it's less uh, unbelievable because you know we we were smart enough to be cynical about sports ownership and and the decisions that are made and maybe what the real uh, motivating factor is and there's always been a uh, uh, criticism of of Cubs ownerships past and present that yeah, but they're it, about the bottom line. It, the it's, it's is, believable. It, it's unconscionable, is what it is. Well, the difference is revenues in the game are so high they're they're they far exceed like say from ten twenty years ago right far exceed uh, payrolls far, far exceed salaries across the board cumulatively than they ever have. Well, than they ever have in in recent history. And the, the amateur spending is hard capped. They're putting money in their pockets on both sides of that. And, and, uh, and so they're, th- this, this idea of a luxury tax being high, it's not tied to revenues. Revenues are going up way higher than the luxury tax. I know you don't want to talk about luxury taxes. All right, fine. We won't talk about luxury taxes. But tax. the point is this. The point is this. Their revenues are so friggin' high. The luxury tax should be irrelevant to them. It should. Maybe not irrelevant but far less relevant it shouldn't drive all the decision making and it shouldn't drive your payroll budget when you when you are sitting right here with a chance to do something or continue something great and they have whether it's living off of 2016 or or whatever or just or or just being you know slaves to the dollar and and their revenues they they have made this choice, and it's 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 just it's unbelievable. And, and when we know about this luxury tax and its implications, when we know about it, when I say we, I mean fans, I mean your readers, uh, then we know too much. When it's what you're writing, then the Cubs ownership is 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 uh, is ceasing out loud to dream to dream about titles, to chase the title, to make that the most important they got thing. It. They, they, they got it. Yes, it, it is just an unbelievable turnoff. And it is at the heart of, you know, what I always think back to, and I and I wrote it in the story you referenced uh, about the Cubs and Sox. Everybody said, anybody from Chicago heard, if the Cubs can win one World Series, I'll die happy. Right? I'll die happy. Yeah. Well, bull. 
because it turns out Cubs fans are no different than any other group. They 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 haven't died happy. They've gotten pissed off and impatient and full of uh, 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 taking offense to everything ranging from a lazy team that 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 languished out of the gate in seventeen to now an ownership group that's not going for the throat. Not only isn't going for the throat, but is taking this passive approach to uh, what. Hey, I'll, I'll, let me just interrupt you. I'll throw one yeah. more thing in there. They, There's no reason they shouldn't see this coming. These guys were in bed with the Red Sox from the start when, when they bought the team. Everything was about how the Red Sox did it. They had the old stadium. How did they renovate it? They they had high revenues. How did they use it? The, 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 payroll, the, the player acquisitions, how do they go about it? They modeled, their ownership modeled what the Red Sox ownership did when they came in to the, to, to the point of hiring Theo as soon as they could. Um, and what was the lesson in Boston after 2004? Exactly what you're talking about. That was a major story. That was a national baseball story, and it was the story in Boston when it happened. That, yeah, they won it. Give me more. That's and, right. And, and to their credit, they did give them more. They did. There's no romance in, in, in losing or even trying really hard once you've won, uh, especially when those same faces are around. And, and that uh, leads me back to Bryant. This might be a really simplistic way to look at it, but I think it's the way people look at things, everything from uh, who you want to be friends with in, in uh, middle school to who you vote for in a presidential election. I, you know, Chris Bryant is kind, handsome, He's a, he looks like a movie star. He has an, a, an incredible smile. He is... Uh, He's got a 400 on base percentage. And then, a, well, all that goes without saying. He's the best third baseman they've uh, ever had, maybe. Uh, I think you could certainly make an argument. You, know, you could you could make an argument at he's this in, point he's in a conversation. about his talent. And this was a third baseman-starved organization for a long time. That's for sure. Uh, he's that. He has the potential to be their greatest player. He and Javi Baez uh, can, you know, ought to be fighting that out for uh, a long time to come. And uh, the, the very idea of letting someone who checks every imaginable box of who you want representing your team, uh, a public face for a team, is again, it's 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 unconscionable or it's it's unthinkable. It's stupid. It's stupid. Yeah. yeah. And uh uh and and even if one can argue why it's not, that argument is not something anybody wants to hear. It's the, it's and like that's making why the argument people, of why you tank. Nobody wants to hear why and, you tank. And that's even why if more it's the people right are gonna to do, watch right? the Sox. More people will watch the Sox. Not more than who watch the Cubs, but the balance will shift. So it's amazing. We're just coming out of the two the two fan fests. We're we're right on the brink of spring training. There should be a time of great excitement. There's a there, there's a buzz about the Sox, um, but Mitch Trubisky is still making headlines. I mean, for God's sake, and and I think you just outlined why. I mean, we got the Super Bowl coming up. Uh, there's a quarterback issue in town, and and that's still as big a story as. The, the big popular baseball team in town. You know what sucks? To not get to talk about Trubisky. We never get to talk about Trubisky. I don't cover the Bears. You'd never write about the Bears. But we've got opinions. I, mean, I certainly wouldn't write about him. We watched that guy play. Uh, yes. You know, Mahomes, Garoppolo, 
guys. By the way, you know Mahomes' dad was a baseball player. Yeah, I do. Uh, Blue Jays. Uh, also twins. You could say, oh, that's right. You could say that uh, uh, that uh, each of these quarterbacks should have been in Chicago. I don't really argue that. I don't think anybody was thinking of Mahomes in those terms. To me, it's it was Deshaun Watson the Bears passed on, and that was egregious enough, believe me. Uh, but despite that, I think that the, the Mahomes and Garoppolo have what Trubisky doesn't, have that thing that you don't need to cover the NFL or scout the NFL or measure however you would measure it in 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 <laughs> has that 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 thing that you just see and you know and you feel and Are you, you talking about with. my guy Russell Wilson again? I Russell Wilson has it, and Trubisky clearly doesn't have it and never did. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I mean. Mahomes has it like. Wait, 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 wait. I heard somewhere he he doesn't have he has less experience than some guys, right? He doesn't have as many reps, right? Of I mean, course. Well, of course. if we're patient, we're going to see some, right? Am I onto something there? I don't think so. I I I think back in the case of Trubisky. I swear you're going to laugh at this. To Family Feud. I don't know if anybody listening watched this. Family feud with Steve Harvey after Tr- oh I tell you Richard Dawson for a minute after Trubisky and I guess the rest of the top ten were drafted and they're split into two teams and they do family feud I don't know like much actually about on the, the actual on, family feud yes, on the regular it was on television <laughs> and Trubisky was captaining one team it was the losing team <laughs> and not only did he captain the losing team I'm telling you this guy walked up to whatever you call the showdown. And he lost that because he wasn't quick enough thinking. And then he went back, and Steve Harvey Harvey came over and joked with the guys. And nine of the ten guys went with the flow, and they were funny and charming, affable, and not all uh, under this visible pressure about stupid family feud. And they made guesses, and they were on the board, or they weren't. Every guest Trubisky made got an X. You know the sound of that. How X. many times? How many times did he overthrow the question? Right, and and in the, the times he was up, uh, he, he whiffed there too, uh, not hitting the button fast enough or having a good guess. And I thought to myself, if you can't do Family Feud, there's no way in <laughs> hell, in hell, you can be an NFL quarterback in this day and age. Is if, that the new? Uh, if Wonder you can't rise to that occasion and have fun with it and show your personality, you're dead. And 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 I think the, the player part of the he's combine. modeled since then <laughs> is right off that family feud. Family stage. feud combine. That's right, the family feud combine. I uh, I I don't know if anyone else saw that, but my I, God, I did not see that, that. Made such an impression on me. It made an impression on me. Like I have a Cutler story. Do you want to hear a Jay Cutler story? Yeah. First, can I find that on YouTube? Well, yeah, I I, I think you can. Yeah, I, I certainly gotta, hope I so. Look it. for it. Yeah. Cutler. So it's a sporting news story, and it was at the very beginning of Cutler's NFL career. And there was no line of writing about this guy, no line of discussion about this guy that talked about his personality. No one had ever called him aloof before. I'm sorry, when, what part of his? like Very beginning, Denver, uh, very start of his career. It was the year that the Broncos started out fast and lost their last three games, and Phillip Rivers and the Chargers won their last three, and the Broncos finished 8-8, yeah, eight and eight, yeah. lost a tie, missed the playoffs. It was 
it was Cutler's second year. I know this because in his rookie year, his diabetes showed up and he lost all this weight. And that's when he learned about it. And that's why I went to talk to him. It was about this story. It was really uh, about his uh, learning of, of, of his diabetes and how he, he was managing that. And, you know, meanwhile, he's tearing it up and it was an exciting young player. Nobody had written this about his his personality before. It certainly wasn't a negative. So uh, I went to Trubisky's manager's house, his business manager in Denver, and I meet everybody. And there's one person there who's just sort of instantly, uh, frankly, being rude, or at least that's how I interpreted it, make, making me feel unwelcome. It was Trubisky. So I was there less than— But he agreed to do this. Of course right? he did, or else I wouldn't have gone. I mean, there's no— I was there no more than three minutes, I swear, Gordon. I'm standing on one side of a kitchen island. Cutler's sitting on the other side. He has not yet made eye contact with me. He's looking down at his you know, glass of wine. He's looking off, you know, sort of to the side and at the glass of wine, and he's got this expression on his face that can only be described as a smirk. And uh, I'm there three minutes, and I said— you don't want to be doing this, do you? And he said, you know, no, I said, I do it. I said, listen, you know, I mean, uh, I came a long way or, you know, I, I, uh, uh, assume you're, you're up for this. I want to have, you know, I'm going to need a lot of your time and I hope you're on board. And he said, uh, all right. And, and, and from that point on through this evening at the managers and then on to a bar where he did a weekly TV show and all that, I, I saw how he regarded people, fans, the the TV guy who was interviewing him for the quarterback or for the, <laughs> the football show, and, and me. And it was, in all cases, with this sort of, you know, this smirk, this little bit of a of a barrier between him and anyone else, a little bit of a it's buffer. Jay Cutler face. Jay Cutler face. Yeah. There was no smoking Jay at this time, but I wrote a story, and it wound up being about the smirk. That was the story. You broke the story. And in that story, Cutler said, I have a better arm than John Elway. Some people might remember that little controversy at the time. And it kind of blew up on him. And to his credit, he owned it. You know, the local media, you said you have a better arm than John Elway, more talent. He said, yeah, I said it. Uh, but but it, was, it, was, uh, it, it wasn't intended in any way, shape, or form to be a negative story. But, but he just sort of portrayed a, a negative uh, disposition, and it was impossible to miss. And I wrote about wow. that, which is a long way of saying that I think, although I didn't cover Cutler as a bear, other people might know better than I, I think he didn't have it. He didn't have that thing that you have to have, that thing that takes you. Because, you know, Cutler, most talented quarterback the Bears have had, but uh, it so, didn't translate to something greater than that. And you need to have that thing that Mahomes has, that Garoppolo had and no doubt benefited from playing with Tom Brady, who has it more than anyone, and any of these other great guys we would talk about I, and, and in all sports. I think you just compared Trubisky to Cutler and said he's the next Cutler for this team. Well, if, the Bears if, would if be lucky already. if that were the case. I mean, dude, is that what, is that what we think? No, I think he's no Cutler. He's not, not on he's his not best a, day. He's, not, he's nowhere near as good, obviously. He's I don't know. It's a mess. It's a mess. Yeah. Um, but what do you think? Uh, here's what I think. We talked about we had an idea coming in here. 
I don't know if we can execute it, but we're going to try. For uh, uh, something along the lines, we called it three up, three down. We were talking about this oh, yeah. on the way here. Didn't we just do one of them? I think we did. I think we did. I think uh, Mahomes and Garoppolo, that's you know, a, that's, that's an, an up. up. That's an up. An up, like nobody's business. Uh, Are we going to throw Trubisky into the down? I have heard <laughs> Mahomes more than any other football player referred to. Here's, oh, I saw a this. Pet peeve here. This is a down. Follow Steve on Twitter. Uh, this yeah. is a heads up here for we this go. one. As a generational talent, generational player, he may well be. Of course, Cutler, I think, would have been described in those same terms, and 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 it turns out wasn't, and a lot of guys aren't. This is one of these pet peeves I have that I'm seeing lately, and I really thought about it during uh, – I've thought about it for a while because I'm a stickler and I'm anal and I am I think I know it all, and it can be super annoying that way. There are, are, are these words and phrases that come into the sports lexicon and are used – to a preposterous degree, uh, in, in, in ger- like journalism more broadly too. Like sure, everybody said well, that's true in all walks of life. Literally, amazing, uh, incredible. You know, everybody's great. Uh, but I'm thinking of things like you know the word uh, narrative Wasn't to describe Jimmy any Clausen story. Generational. Of course he was. Ron Paulus was going to win two Heisman trophies. He was generational. I mean, we, we there is a long list, baby, especially at quarterback. So I heard in 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 a span of no more than two days going into the college football playoff, all four quarterbacks described on you know various platforms, but they might have all been ESPN related. I don't know. Various platforms: Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields. As generational quarterbacks, I don't have to tell you that the, the notion that Good there Lord. might be four of those at once in the college game is, is you know, the very definition of not being generational. But at the, at the risk of sounding like an old guy, does anybody remember the 83 draft? That's right. There were the greatest draft ever. So I want to retire this word or just throttle back on it. Not everybody's generational. Uh, we get it in baseball. We get it across sports. Zion Williams, generational. I saw in the same sentence a studio host refer to Zion Williamson and Trey Young as generational players. Uh, okay, come on, nah, Zion come on, hasn't come on. played played a game yet. He's he's athletically you can you can say that he's he's p- already been potentially hurt. that Trey Young wasn't he didn't win a single National Player of the Year award. He was zero for six. Jalen Brunson won them all. Nobody's ever going to call him generational, but he was a better college player. Yeah, there's there's Heisman trophy winners left and right that aren't generational and and I'm not as fired up. I'm about with that you. As I'm with you. I hey, I got, being hey, I got one. I got, I got one go. for. You. I don't want to go. I don't want to go up from the down. I'm just. I'm gonna go another down. I'm gonna go pet peeve. You know, I I saw this on Twitter again today or a, a couple of days ago or whatever it was. Um, this idea. I I do not understand people's reluctance to. Joe Madden was fired, okay? The, the 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 kumbaya mutual crap is is just bull. I mean, the guy wanted to come back. They didn't want him back. His contract expired. We're not going to offer you a new one. Best of luck to you. No hard feelings. But you're fired. That's what 
that's what being fired in sports is. And I, and 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 I'm uh, just the the people that want to cling to this notion of, well, his contract expired. Does that mean when Jake Arrieta's contract expired and they didn't re-sign him, they fired him? No, apples and oranges. This is how it works. Look. They, they probably would have fired him a year earlier if you could have done that politically. The man won the championship in Chicago sports history. You're not going to fire him the next year or the year after. And he kept, the teams kept winning in terms of winning records. They kept getting to the playoffs until this, this past year. So you're not going to fire him a year ago. You're just not. You're going to let his contract run out. That's fine. But all the way up until the moment they had the conversation with him where they said, hey, we don't want you back. We're going to go another direction. He was he publicly said, "I want to come back." That's a definition of being fired. And I'm I'm sick and tired of arguing with people on that. So that argument's over. You really don't think he they, they mutually agreed to part ways? Are you kidding me? Are you are you just messing with me now? I am. All right, you got another one. Uh, sure. I want to talk about Illinois. Yeah, you want to step on somebody? You know, I have. One funny thing about working in a local market, which I had never experienced before because I worked for national publications, is that, and I came on as a college guy and I did a ton of Illinois stuff, I made a lot of fun of PE coach turned football coach Tim Beckman, uh, caricature, you know, there, and I didn't pretend they weren't horrible at football and basketball, and I wrote it all with kind of a columnist's uh perspective and bent so i have been labeled to such a great extent a an illinois hater which is funny because yeah, well, i don't care I mean, enough to hate or or love any any team you know I, the club, I like man. the you know i i like what's a good story illinois is a good story they're good they're fun to watch yeah they are uh, uh really in position to not just end a, an ncaa tournament drought that goes back to i think john gross's first year goes back to 2013, but, you know, top four seed, top five seed, they can really do that. And and and, and Illinois only won like 11 games all uh, last season. And I'm, st- they've I'm got starting this to get piece, worried. Man. Now, listen, they've got this Kofi Coburn. I hope you know who he is. If you don't, I swear, you and your Washington crap. You have to know who Kofi hey, Coburn is. If it ain't the if it ain't the Pac-12, no guarantees. Buddy. He's he's. I think he's the uh, best big man in the Big Ten. I think he's the best freshman big man in the country. And he wait, might wait, wait, be, wait, 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 wait. Isaiah Stewart, please. Kofi Coburn is seven feet tall. He's three hundred pounds. He has soft hands. He Isaiah makes his Stewart free throws. He's an NBA player now. He's a man. That doesn't matter. NBA player now. A lot of guys are NBA players now. Coburn is. He's generational. The future. Steve. He's generation. Right. Well, Coburn is uh, certainly the best player Illinois has had on my watch. Have you watched him? Have you watched Stewart? Sure. Very different specimen than Coburn. And Coburn's a wonderful kid. He's super uh, bright and motivated, and he's a great team guy. He has changed everything there. And Iota Sunmo from Morgan Park uh, has certainly made his mark as a sophomore, much more than he did as a freshman. He, uh, you've got your point guard, you've got your postman, which is an, an anomaly in itself, a postman in basketball anymore. Yeah, seriously. You've got two more pieces uh, with great strength than most teams in the top 25, you know, have reliably. And that's why the from the top to the bottom of the pole, 
there's such fluctuation in college basketball. But these guys are as good a pair, I really think, as there is at those two spots. So Illinois pointed way up, and it's exciting. If if Coburn comes back next year, the Illini could be a top-five team going into the season. If he doesn't, I suspect he won't. I wouldn't know now. It's too early, really. But, boy, he's going to soar up the, the, the ranks. Either way, I, I give kudos to Brad Underwood, who I have taken shots at because he says ridiculous things that Illinois people say about how, oh, we're a top 15 program nationally, as if it's still 15 years ago. You know, <laughs> time hasn't stood still. No, you're not. But they have a chance to become really relevant again. And yeah. uh, lots of credit to, to that team in a good Big Ten. It's exciting. Yeah, I make I make fun of you, but uh, what they're doing right now and the way they look like they're just getting better in what might be the best conference in the country top to bottom is really impressive. I mean, if they keep this up at any kind of pace like they're, they're doing now, they're, they're going to be a really hard out in March. They are. One piece they don't have is a great shooter. They have Trent Frazier. He is a great uh, shooter when he's free, especially from three sort of around the baseline. Uh, he's great at that, but he's a smaller guy. If they had one more catch-and-shoot guy, somebody with some length, oh, my God, uh, they would really, I think, have everything you need. Um, but even without that, this Coburn, you know, Purvis Ellison, bigger, <laughs> could have that kind of an effect on the tournament. And and I'm saying it, and I'm a big Illinois hater. So uh, th- this is an exciting team. I'm, I'm behind it and looking forward to uh, covering some of their games as we get down the stretch. Uh, good luck with uh, Chris uh, paying any attention to college basketball, but nice idea. Hey, uh, <laughs> that's, right. a, that's, a, that's our boss for anybody that's listening. Um, and, and, and boss, uh, if, if you're listening, uh, just kidding. Hey, um, Steve, one last thing. Them. One last thing on the uh, ups and downs, the, the three up, three down. The last one, uh, how the hell does Jeter not get that last vote? And, 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 Look, it's not a big deal. He got all but one, all right? So maybe there's a good reason behind it. But yeah. What, what, what you, you know, I think they're, 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 there's no earthly uh, justification for not having him on there. I don't think this is something that I quibble Griff, with Griff, in Griff, general with the Hall of Fame. Three didn't vote for Griffey. Right. Well, and, and, and it, it's, not, there's no, it's not so important. You're not so important as a voter. That that your personally tenth vote for I don't know Jeff Kent or Bobby Abreu is it, it means so much that you should not vote for Jeter so you have that tenth vote to give to somebody else because Jeter doesn't need it. I think that's just an expression of kind of self aggrandizement. Well, I mean, and, and that's stu- just guessing. Stupidity. We, we don't know. That's a guess, but yeah. it's more likely to me than than that uh, a voter would risk his or her reputation by not voting for Jeter. Well, I do. Uh, there's another possibility. There, there have been cases in the past where as a protest for the PD guys, you, you're trying right. a blank ballot. So nobody gets a vote on your ballot. That That's happened. Or, a, a, right, but it's not a, oh, he hates it the Yankees last or he year. hates Jeter. That's silly, right? No, no there's nobody yeah. out there voting for the Hall of Fame who would, who would not vote for Jeter because he hates the Yankees or hates Jeter. No, that's, no, that's, not anybody that I know. And, and you know, That's uh, really elementary and misguided way yeah. of looking at it, although I've heard a lot of people. Well, let, let me ask you this. So, so I'm, a, I'm a Hall of Fame voter, and, and I have been uh, for a uh, dozen years. So. Think you're better than me? 
Uh, well, it, 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 it yeah. no, no, no. You're a Hall of Fame voter. You, you it, your opinion is super relevant. Well, no, well, well let's hear it. It's, I mean, it's my opinion isn't any more relevant than anybody else's. Um, I mean, the responsibility I have uh, for that ballot is important. Um, what's your take on the PED guys? If 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 you were voting, uh, are, are does Bonds and Clemens get in, and 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 Sosa, or, or how about the guys that are? just suspected or showed up in the Mitchell report and didn't get suspended. Yeah. Well, uh, without having a, a, a mastery of the numbers as relates to sort of pre and post PEDs, which is, we don't know when it would have started exactly anyway, or there's no proof that it did, yada, yada. But, um, yeah, I would vote for Bonds and Clemens um, because I associate each with, being the best with being the best in his league for a, uh, you know, a given and significant period of time. And I think of that both after, but more importantly, before the PED use uh, usage. Uh, I also don't come at baseball with what I view as this almost religious and certainly sanctimonious perspective that baseball itself is so tied up in, in virtue Family, mom and pop, America. Good Lord, man, what's wrong I with you? I just think that people are a little bit obnoxious, almost like, not as bad as with golf, but when they talk, when it comes, we wouldn't have that level of conversation about a basketball player or a football player who who committed an offense. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, maybe, the, and, and, I, and frankly, I can't even think of any examples within the football realm well, of anybody fo- who's not in the Hall of Fame for Look, that. The way, uh, just... I don't vote for the PED guys. Right. Uh, and I haven't. The, the first year I had a ballot uh, it was McGuire's um, first year right. on, on the ballot. Um, and I, I do view it uh, fundamentally differently when people talk about, well, there's cheating's been going on in the game forever. You're exactly right. Um, and, and to some extent, the, the playing field was leveled. The difference is this, and even and this is different even than amphetamines. You're, you're, you're fundamentally changing the chemistry of your body. Um, with uh, illegal drugs, and uh, to the to the degree of, look, the greenies, the greenies in the clubhouse were famously put in coffee. They were famously available to everybody. It was open. People did them openly. Nobody did steroids openly. They knew they were cheating. They knew what they were doing, and they cost other guys jobs. Um, and it wasn't, you know, when, when we get to the Hall of Fame argument. There's we're talking about the best of the best. And in some ways, it's almost worse because these guys never had to do this for a contract. These guys didn't have to do this for fame and, and in, in many cases, all star appearances. And, and, and you alluded to it that before PED use, uh, as far as we know, Bonds was already in the conversation for one of the best players in the game. Clemens was already winning Cy Young Awards. Um, so so why you do it? What ego? Um uh, be, because I mean, uh, if you read uh, Juiced, um, Conseco. No, uh, maybe I'm thinking of the other one. Um, uh, Conseco, not not Conseco's book. Uh, Howard Bryant did a book. Um, no, it wasn't Howard Bryant. It was uh, the other guys in San Francisco did a book on the whole Balco thing. And oh and, yeah, and Bonds. Fainaruwata. Yeah, those guys. Uh, and. You know, they they made a pretty persuasive case that showed that uh, he he did it in response to the McGuire Sosa year, and that that's when he started. Okay, if we take it at that, he was probably Hall of Famer before that, but then he 
so so why do it? Because jealousy, uh, ego, um, that's almost worse. If a guy's trying to bang around and, and you know, a lot's been made in this last year of what minor leaguers make, nothing. Uh, if you're trying to avoid banging around AAA again for another year and you're trying to stick, you're trying to get that first contract, trying to take care of your family, trying to keep your family together, okay, I, I, I kind of get that. It's still cheating, but those guys aren't in the conversation for the Hall of Fame anyway. By the time we get to the Hall of Fame guys, um, then I think it does matter that you consider that. Um, and uh, I, I, I do have a, a little story on that because I got my vote just in time that these guys were starting to come on the ballot. So it was, it was, it was this thing that that we all knew was coming. And how do you how do you wrap your mind around it? And this cop out I've, I've been in BBWA meetings where people stand up and say, well, the hall of fame needs to tell us what, what we should do. No, they give you the vote. You decide. And the fact that you decide different than you decide, or, or this guy over here decides is part of the process. And if 75% of the people agree on somebody, the guy's in. Um, so you can have dissenting opinion. A guy gets in. Um, but uh, it, it's funny. My, my, my son was, Twelve at the time, and uh, it, it was right around Christmas time. We're, we're doing the ballot, and I uh, I included him on it. He was a huge sports fan, huge baseball fan, um, and he thought it was really cool. So uh, he looked at the ballot. He, he read all the the bios of the guys on a ballot, and then we discussed uh, each guy. And when we got to McGuire, I explained to him what was said about him, what was alleged that it wasn't. There was no rule against it in the game that uh, the drugs were illegal, but th- there are other illegal things in the game, but no rules against it. He, he was said to have done it. I, I explained the 500 home run threshold and the whole thing. And when, when we got done talking about it, all the pros and cons, he just looked at me and he said, well, dad, isn't that cheating? And uh, I said, yeah. Well, then we shouldn't vote for him. And, uh, and did you say, you know, Beaver? <laughs> I, I, let's find out what you're Wally right, thinks no did you say you're not in kansas anymore dorothy uh, i'm kidding you're right he's he's, he's you're very he's pre- right at a very no, no, fundamental no, he's level right. he's right and in it and it really is easy enough to see if you're 12 years old yes when you lay it all out and uh you can get caught up in all these things well this guy did it so Okay, or I don't care. It's just a museum. Well, okay, well, fine. Then don't vote. I right. mean, look, they, they, I don't care who votes. If 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 the Hall of Fame wants to say there, there's a better pool of voters out there that they can hand this off to, God bless you. Go do it. But they give it to us. They give it to the BBWA people that qualify and meet their standard, their thresholds, whatever. And I take it seriously. I and, uh, and, I'm I'm glad uh, you you said all that because it's illustrative of how much you think about this stuff in baseball. You've got very developed opinions. You know, that's good. Well, it's every freaking day. That's why day. you're so good at your job. I, I can I, I, I've got to tell you a quick McGuire anecdote just because you said his name and it made <laughs> me think of it. I swear to God, every bit of this is true. I was walking with my then one-year-old son, who's now in college, uh, holding him holding him just sort of in my arm, crook of my arm. And uh, we're walking into Barnes & Noble in uh, St. Louis, the Ledoux Crossing shopping mall, Ledoux, Missouri. <laughs> and we're walking in, 
and walking out in the little foyer, you know, area between the the the, the, the first and second group of doors is McGuire. You know, this mountain of a guy and his then fiance. And perhaps needless to say, my one year old son did not recognize uh the uh the very famous giant before him, but he did reach out and just kinda kinda slap at, you know, in a gentle little baby way, McGuire's shoulder. I didn't know he, you know, I just sort of saw him kind of turned as he was reaching out. McGuire stopped, pivoted, turned, and stared down my one-year-old son (laughs) so angrily that, really? Oh, my. I'm not kidding. And I just sort of looked at his fiance, and she mouthed, sorry. Wow. She saw his reaction. I don't know if I should tell that if it's relevant, but it's out. Well, and it happened. Believe you me. Jeez, just must angry have been at, on, at his, little... on his cycle then. Well, yeah, I suppose. And uh, wow. Well, I'm glad so I didn't that vote happened. for him. Yeah, I don't know if I would vote for him either, but I'm not a voter. Well, you will be one day if you want to. Yeah, maybe so. All right. Well, hey, what did you think? Um, should we do this uh, in the future? Should we keep doing this? I'll, I, I'll, uh, I'll come back. I hope other people will. It's fun. I like getting together with you and doing this. Um, Big shout out to Lawrence Holmes. I mean, oh for, my for, goodness, uh, there's not a chance of us even trying to get this off the ground with all the help, without the help he's given us. Yeah, I. Uh, you never hear a discouraging word about Lawrence around town. Like people really think he's a swell gentleman. They like him. I yeah. never hear that about you. You never hear that about well, me. Well, I, I see Some him, people like us. I see him sometimes. I I mean, I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but sometimes handing out envelopes. That, I mean, it looks like he might have cash. I don't know. I, 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 I don't have that kind of cash. No, but he's got a reputation reputation that precedes him. I don't uh, know him uh, especially well, but I have heard many people say that he's uh, wonderful. So, And I mean that. So it's worth noting. And, yes, I thank yeah, him, too, great, for, great his, dude. Great dude. for his time and Effort here. Uh, well, Steve, maybe we'll come fun, up with man. a name eventually. Yeah. But for now, hey, hit us up on the, the on podcast Twitter. to be named later. Uh, I kind of like that. Uh, G Dub Cub at G Dub Cub and S L Greenberg B E R G. If you got some good names, send them our way. And we, and hey, hey, we already came up with the two tools, so you can save that one. That's right. Thank you, everybody. Hey, this was fun, Steve. Thanks, G Dub. Good times. We'll Thanks, talk Steve. later. All right. Man, I'm so glad that those guys decided that House of L would be a place that they wanted to do their podcast from. I really love their approach to it. You can see their friendship if you're in the room with them. And hopefully, if you were listening, you kind of got some of why they wanted to do a podcast together. I envision these guys like sitting at a bar doing the podcast in future episodes and when there is an announcement to be made about this, I'm I'm going to share the announcement with you. So I wanted to thank you for giving them a chance and listening to their podcast. And once they figure out what, what they want to do and they can launch their own podcast, I hope that you will support it. So that'll do it. Our first presentation, our first House of L Presents. I think it went really well. Thanks for checking out what Gordon and Steve had to do on the podcast. It means a lot that you would give uh, an hour of your time to listen to them because I endorsed it. 
So it's cool, and I hope that they do their own thing. And to my media peeps that listen to the podcast, if you don't have a podcast and you want to try one out, I'm all about producing your episode. So holler at your boy. And if you want consulting on podcasts, hit me up. Houseoflpodcast at gmail.com. I'm going to charge you. If not, if you're my friend. But if you're just out here in these streets or you're an organization, I'm going to charge you. But this is the next step in this, I think. I hope. We'll see. Thanks for listening. Hey.